So we're starting here on the bottom of Kuflam Adalaramadbet, but the two dots Safik and Joginus. Tanarbanan. Pasuk says Orlato, and the Gemara assumes that Orlato is a mute. Orlato vadai docha at Shabbat. If he has a vadai orla, then it's docha at Shabbat. Velo safek docha at Shabbat. Not in a case where it is a safek. Orlato vadai docha at Shabbat. Velo androginus, and not the androginus. So in the pasuk that we're learning out about dchiat Shabbat, which is uviyom hashmini mo besar alato, in that same pasuk you have uviyom which teaches us Bayom Afilu Bishabbat, and then you have Orlato to limit who's included in that dispensation to be Ducha et Shabbat. So that's what the Gemara says here, that it excludes a Safek, and it excludes an Androgynus. Yehuda says that Androgynus is Ducha et Shabbat, that means that you do do a Milah on the Androgynus, and if he doesn't get a Brit Milah, Anush Karet. Arvalato vadai Ducha et Shabbat, Velo nolad ben Hashemashot Ducha et Shabbat. Arvalato vadai Ducha et Shabbat, Velo nolad kushu mahol Ducha et Shabbat. So we have a different Limud, a Limud that the Arvalato vadai Ducha et Shabbat, not someone who's born ben Hashemashot, Mashot is a safek, safek yom, safek laila. So therefore we're uncertain as to whether the baby was actually born on Shabbat or not. So that's the same safek that we talked about before. And then the additional safek here, which is if he's born with a milah already. With the orla already removed or pulled back, that's not dochat Shabbat. Shabbat Shemai Omrim. When it comes to a child that is born mahul, Shemai says, You still have to draw blood. You still have to have some blood in order to complete the Brit Milah. Beitelel Omrim Eino Tzarich. Beitelel says, He doesn't have to draw Dam Brit. Amr Abishim Ben Lazar. Everybody agrees that when a baby is born mahul, that you still have to draw blood, you have to have dambrit. Because even though he is mahul, the orla is just covered up. It's still there, it's just not apparent. Where did they argue? When a person converts, and then he had a proper milah. Now we know it's not an orla kavusha. So in that case, we have to draw blood for him. You do not have to draw blood. You do not have to have a cut in order to complete the brit milah. So what's interesting here is that the Gemara clearly creates a hierarchy, which is that for certain a child that is mahul gets dambrit, Again, we have a question about, and since we have a machoket Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai, we would assume that the locha should be like Beit Hillel, that you don't need a tafat dambrit. What's interesting is that Tosafot brings, that the alochat gadolot brings the psak alocha, katan ain't sarich, v'ger tzarich. The katan does not require dambrit, whereas a ger requires dambrit. It's what katan vadaikidin pasku kishmuatenu. Says that arshmua, we're going to see, it sounds like he paskins that a katan doesn't need hatafa dambrit. Ubeger, namin yered, the reish is samhuahi di yavamot. That the reason that a ger requires is not because of our gemara, because from our gemara you would assume no, that you don't need it. Rather, it comes out of the gemara in yavamot. The Rashba wants to explain how, out of the logic of our gemara, you could still come to that conclusion. Ben katan shenolag kushumahu, o ben ger shenitgayer shumahu, dinhu sheshnei mayutonim hatafa dambrit. Both of them 
the assumption would be need atav adam brit. Ilav the darshin and acha the katan ain't tzarich latif yimin adam brit. If it weren't for the fact that we darshin that the katan is excluded from the word or lato shum tichtiv alato, but dafka bekatan the gali gali. Since by a katan we have a pasuk that tells us no, they're not. Beger the low gali low gali. For by a ger where there was no gilui, we do do. Dambrit. The assumption is that you have to do a tafat dambrit unless you have an exclusion. Our Gemara only brings an exclusion for Katan, never brings an exclusion for Ger. But then he brings that the Rabbeinu Hanano Pasakibchop. I mean, I The Rabbeinu Hanano Paskins like what would seem to be the conclusion of our Gemara, which is that a Katan requires a tafat dambrit, and a Ger does not require a tafat dambrit. Anyway, we pask in that both need a tafat dambrit. We have letzad zeh, letzad zeh. Even if it was mitzad safek, we do a tafat dambrit, but we do a tafat dambrit both for a katan that's born mahu as well as for a gerish mitzgayer. Okay, I'm a mar. And the Gemara wants to go back and investigate what we just quoted. It says, Velo safek tochata shabbat. What does it mean that a safek is not tochata shabbat? What safek are you speaking about? Betu emai, betu ha detan rubanan. To include this case. Ben Shiva Mechalalin Alav et Shabbat. Child that is born in the seventh month, you are Mechalal Shabbat for. Uben Chet, Ein Mechalalim Alav et Shabbat. Child is born in the eighth month, you are not Mechalal et Shabbat for him because the assumption of the Gemara is, and we'll see this in one second, that Ben Shimon Aru Ke'evin. Child born in the eighth month will not survive and is the equivalent of a stone. Safeg ben Zayin, Safeg ben Chet. What if we're not sure whether he's born in the seventh month or the eighth month? Ain Mechalalin Alav et Shabbat. We're not Mechalal Shabbat because we're uncertain as to whether the child is a viable Entity or not. So because that's a fake, we're not going to be mechalel at the Shabbat. Gemara says, why is that? Because ben shmona harei huke evin, an eight month old baby is like a stone, vasur lit out the low. You're not allowed to carry him, muksa. Avalimo shocha umunikato, hipnei asakana. His mother is allowed to lean over him and nurse him because of danger. The danger is not to the baby. Nesachana is for the mother, as Rashi points out. She needs to express, she needs to relieve the pressure because of the milk that's come in from the birth of the baby. And so we allow her to nurse with this baby. Again, not for the baby's sake, for the mother's sake, because the mother would fall ill if we don't allow her to nurse on Shabbat. So she can't pick up the baby, so she leans over the baby and nurses the baby in such a manner. So says that that's a mlochosh in tzricha gufa. She's not nursing the baby or she's not relieving the milk because she wants the milk itself, which would be the normal block of dash which milking is under that category of dash, that would be the normal process where you want the milk. That's the way the malach is here. Is you don't want the milk. You want the milk out. You don't want the milk itself. We've seen that before, that when there's a makam tzar, we're matir certain isurei derabanan. And that's what the Tosavot says over here, that the woman has a malach shein gufa where she's bitzar. So we allow her to relieve herself by nursing this baby. Now, the Gemara will later on come back and discuss this at the end of today's daf, which is that, Mimon of Shach, why don't we just give a brit to the baby? If he's a ben shiva, then he needs to have a brit milah, because he's a viable entity, he's a viable baby. If he's a ben shimona, hariuk evan, he's a stone. If he's a stone and you're cutting the milah of a stone, then you're not cutting basar, you're not making a chabura. You really believe that it's an evan and not a live entity, an inanimate object in that sense, and doing the Brit Milah is not a violation of Shabbat. So Mimon of Shach, you should be able to do the Brit Milah, which the Gemara will ask later. But at this point, the Gemara assumes that Ben Shmona, you cannot do a Milah Shabbat. But at the end, the Gemara assumes that Ben Shiva, you can. Ben Shmona, you cannot. And therefore, with Safek, you're not going to be Mechalel at the Shabbat. 
just on that issue of the eighth month, the Rav Shas, the Gemara thinks that Ben Shemona is Hariu Ke'evin. Tosafot over here says, what about us? Nira the Reed, Dakshav Mutar, the Tatel Kotino Kochi, and Anubikim. The Tosafot solves the problem today. This is already in the time of Tosafot's time. Well, we have babies that are born all over. They don't know. He says, we're not Bikim to know what's seven, eight, or nine. We don't know where the gestation is. So therefore, Ukulam, Kumo, Safeg, Ben Chet, Safeg, Ben Tet. Everybody's a Safeg, Ben Chet, Ben Tet, because we just don't know the exact times. Mutar, the Molo, B'Shabbat, Miman, Avshach, which I said to you, the Gemara is going to say on the top of Kuflam, and Vav, Omed, Aleph. Avilu, Ben Shmona, Vadai. Even if he's a Ben Shmona, Vadai, you can do the Brit on Shabbat. So even today, if we know for certain it's a Ben Shmona, Vadai, there's no downside to doing the Mila on Shabbat. Because it's Ariu Kevin. That we'll get to in the Gemara. But as far as anything is concerned, we don't worry about it. Because the Gemara has another scenario. It's not from the Gemara over here. It's Gemara in Yuvamot. Machok between Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda. As to a baby that's born. Could it be that it was a seventh month baby? But just stayed in utero a little longer? Or is it really an eighth month baby? The Gemara sees that there are certain developmental stages which is that they reach an end in the seventh month. Then if it stays in the eighth month, then it's in this interim stage, which why it makes it not viable. In the ninth month, it reaches Kalulo Chadashav. It finishes off the gestation, and therefore it's a full-term baby that's fine. But if it's born during that interim period, the baby doesn't have all of its features finished, and therefore, Gemara considers it as not to be a viable entity. But the discussion in the Gemara in Vavot is, if a baby comes out, it looks like it has its hair, its nails, looks like a normal baby, it looks like as if it's finished. Even though it came out in the eighth month, what am I going to say about that? So over there, the Gemara discusses the possibility that it, it really came to term in the seventh month, and it just hung out in Euro for an extra week or two. So it came out in the eighth month, not because it's an eighth-month baby, but because it's really a seventh-month baby. The Gemara feels that either a baby can be seven months or nine months of gestation, and in either case, they're full, that's their full term. So the question is, if you have a nine-month baby and it comes out in the eighth month, that's where you have a problem. If you have a seven-month baby and it comes out in the eighth month, then you're fine. So that's why today, the Reese says, even today, if we know for sure that it's an eight-month baby, maybe still it's really a seventh-month baby that stayed in a little longer, not a real eighth-month baby. So that's why today we don't consider them to be muksa, and that's why we... Give them a Brit Milah on Shabbat because in Anubikiim, and if, even if we do know, we're not certain as to whether this is really an eighth month baby. Alright, so now, Itma, Rav Amar Lochak Yitanakama. Rav says the Lochak is like the Tanakama. Shumar Lochak Rab Shimon Ben Lazar. The Lochak is like Rab Shimon Lazar. That was before in the Machloket between the Tanakama and Rab Shimon Lazar as to what the Machloket, the Beit Dilel and Beit Shemai is. Tanakama said Beit Dilel and Beit Shemai are arguing about a Katan Mahul, about a Katan that's born already with a, already circumcised. That's where the machloket is. And Rabbi Ben Lazar says, no, the, by a katan mahu, everybody agrees you need hatafat damrit. The machloket is about a ger shinit geir kishu mahu. Ravada barava yitlile hayyunoka. Ravada had a child, was born kishu mahu, already was circumcised. Ahadra at Lesar Molai, he took him around to 13 individuals who were Molim, and they refused to do anything for him. It was on Shabbat, and he wanted to have a Brit Milah done for him, meaning that he wanted a Tafat Dam Brit done on the baby, and nobody was willing to do it. So finally, Ravada Bava took the situation into his own hands, and he gave his son a Brit Milah, at the Shavya Krut Shavcha. By doing so, he made him impotent. He cut too far, caused the problem within the Aver. Amar Teitili, it was coming to me, to Avri Adrav. Because I violated the din of Rav. Rav had said that the Aloha is like the Tanakama. That the Machloka between Beit Hilel and Beit Shemai is about the Tafadam Brit for a Katan. 
And that means the Beitilel paskins you don't need Tafadambrit for a Katan. Based on Rav, if you pass in the Lokal like Rav, then you wouldn't have needed a Tafadambrit. So he says, I violated Rav's position. Therefore, this is what happened to me. Wait a minute. You didn't violate the din of Shmuel? You think you were Mimikayim, whatever Rav, the Rav was doing was Mimikayim the din of Shmuel. He says, I hold like Shmuel, who says that everybody agrees that you do a tafadambrit for a katan that's born mahol. Rav Nachman says to him, you think you're following the way of Shmuel? Ima dharma Shmuel b'chol. Shmuel says that you do a tafadambrit for a katan mahol, that's only on a weekday. B'shabbat mi'amar. Who says on Shabbat that you do it? Husavar vaday orlak vushahi. Vada Barava obviously believes that a katan mahul definitely has an orla that was pushed back or that is covered up, that it hasn't been taken off entirely. What Rav Nachman is suggesting is that Shmuel's din is a din misafet. We don't know what the status of a child born mahul is. Possibility that they're mahul and the orla is gone. Possibility that the orla is just pushed back. So since you have that uncertainty, we say to you, go do the Hatafat Dambrit. Go take care of this Milah. Do perform a Milah on this trial. But that's a Misa fake. If it's Misa fake, you'd only do that on a weekday, not on Shabbat. Ravada Ba'ava says, now Shmuel's din derives from the fact that they believe definitely the Orla is still there. It's just pushed back. If that's the case, then you definitely have to do a Hatafat Dambrit. You definitely have to do some sort of quote-unquote surgery on this child. If that's the case, then you would do it even on Shabbat. Because we know for certain that you must do something over here. So that's a machloket amuraim as to the view of Shmuel's din, as to the view of Hatav Adambrit. Rav Nachman says it's a din misafeh. Rav Adabab is suggesting that it's a din vaday. Ditmar, because we have a memra amongst the amuraim. Rabba mar chashinan shema orlak vushahi. Rabba says that it's a din misafeh, child that is born mahul. Yosef amar vaday orlak vushahi. And Rav Yosef says that it is definitely an orlak vushah. So therefore, Rav Nachman is similar to Rabba's position, which is that it's Misafeh, and Rav Adarabba is similar to Rav Yosef's position that it is a Vada'i or Lakvusha. I'm Rav Yosef, how can I prove to you that a child-born Mahul is Vada'i or Lakvusha? Datanya. There is no Machloket between Betel and Betel and a child that is born Mahul that you have to to a tava dam brit, that is similar to what Rabbi Shimon Alazar said. Amanech luku, what do they argue about? Lechalel alavet a Shabbat. Whether you mechalel Shabbat for him? Beit Shemay omrim mechalin alavet a Shabbat. You are mechalel Shabbat. Beit Talel omrim ain mechalin alavet a Shabbat. Talel says you're not mechalel Shabbat. So if I was to subscribe to this position of Rabbi Lezer Kapar, I would say that a child-born mahol requires a a tava dam brit, but. You're not Michalal Shabbat for it because Beit Hillel says, not Michalal Shabbat. Beit Hillel versus Beit Shemai, we're going to pass like Beit Hillel. That's not a proof to Rav Yosef, because Rav Yosef says it's a Vadai or Lakvusha, which would mean that it was even Michalal Shabbat. So Rav Yosef says here, Lav Michalal de Tanakama Savar Michalin Lavet Shabbat. Rav Lezer Kapar here is arguing on somebody. He's the second opinion. So there's a first opinion, and he comes to say, no. Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel, everybody agrees that you need a Tafat Dambrit. They only disagree about whether you're Mechalel Shabbat. So what Rav Yosef suggests is that the Tanakhama says, yes, a Tafat Dambrit, and yes, Mechalel Shabbat. Everybody agrees that you do a Tafat Dambrit, and everybody agrees you're Mechalel Shabbat. Along comes Rav Lezer Akapar and says, no, 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 I agree with you, a Tafat Dambrit, yes, but Mechalel Shabbat, no, because Beit Hillel says no to Mechalel Shabbat. So Rav Yosef says, I subscribe to the Tanakhama. 
Tanakama says you do it vaday and you mechalal at the Shabbat. Where it says vadilma Tanakama divriakol ein mechalulin kamar. How do you know what the Tanakama said? You assume that the kind of says that everybody agrees that you mechalal at the Shabbat. Maybe the Tanakama says everybody agrees that you're not mechalal at the Shabbat, and that's what Rebelezer Kapar is arguing on. He's saying no. Beit Shemai says mechalal at the Shabbat. Beit Lel says no. Where it says that doesn't make sense because Im Kain Rebelezer Kapar time with the Beit Shemai atalishminon. Why would Rebelezer Kapar come and argue on the Tanakama only to tell us the opinion of Beit Shemai? Beit Shemai v'makom Beit Lel zeno mishnah. There's no reason to tell us about the opinion of Beit Shemai. That you're mechalel et Shabbat, because that doesn't change the halacha, doesn't change the din at all. If already the Tanakhama says ein mechalin et Shabbat, and Reb Lezer Kapar agrees Beit Hillel says that, then the halacha is that ein mechalin et Shabbat. So Reb Lezer Kapar to argue just for that point doesn't make a lot of sense. Although the Gemara in other places will tell us that it does make sense, because then we know whenever we see the opinion throughout Shas that if we have the opinion of the chalun et Shabbat, that we'd ascribe it to Beit Shemai. But the Gemara does not answer that here. It says that it wouldn't be worthwhile. Maybe that's what Rabbi Lazar Kapar is coming to say, which is, Beit Hilel and Beit Shemai never argued on this issue. The Tanakhama is suggesting that they're arguing about Chol. Beit Hilel and Beit Shemai are arguing about whether you need Hatafa Dambrit on Chol. And along comes Rabbi Lazar Kapar and says, Beit Shemai and Beit Hilel never argued on this issue of Hatafa Dambrit. That's not where their Machloket is. Their Machloket is in Shabbat, not in Chol. Maybe the Tanakhama was saying that there's a machloket in Chol where Beit Shemai says you have to do a tafat dambrit. The Melech says no a tafat dambrit. Along comes the Kapar and says no, no, no. They never argued on this issue. Rather, they argued on the issue of whether mechalina to Shabbat or mechalina to Shabbat. But that still makes the Tanakhama not have a position that vaday mechalina lava to Shabbat. That's the case. Then there's no proof to Rabbi Yosef from this Brayto. Okay, Amar Rabbi Yassi. Rabbi Yassi makes a statement here, which the Gemara is now going to spend a lot of time investigating. Anybody who, when they give birth, has tumat leida, nimolishmona. The baby gets a bit milah on the eighth day. But if the mother is not leida, then the baby is not given a milah on the eighth day. Why is that? Because where is the milah written? The milah is written at the beginning of Parsha Tazriya. It says, And then it continues, So the child, the male child that's born to a woman who will be Tmeah, then the Pasuk afterwards says that that baby requires a Milah on the eighth day. So that juxtaposition within the Psukim he sees as a correlation. The woman becoming Tmeah is the prerequisite for so Amalei Abayi, Abayi says to Ravasi, Dorot Arishonim Yochichu. The Dorot Rishonim means the Avot. Those that were before Mamad Har Sinai. By the time of Avram Avinu, when Yitzchak is born, Sarah is not Tamea Tumat Leida because there is no Tumat Leida in that time. Yet Yitzchak got a Mila on the eighth day. So you see that there is no correlation between Tumat Leida and giving a Brit on the eighth day. So in the time of the Avot, you have a break between these two issues. So it seems that they're not correlated. That's not a question. The halacha here is established in Mamad Har Sinai. We have two times in the Torah that Brit Milah is mentioned. Once Brit Milah is mentioned by the Parsha of Avraham, the end of Parshat Lech Lecha, where Abraham and all the dinim of Milah are mentioned. The second parsha of Milah is mentioned in Parshat Tazriah. So you're right. Once the Torah was given, which is in Parshat Tazriah, there we established this correlation between Tumat Leida and Brit Milah. 
But prior to that time, there was no correlation because the mitzvah milan that was given in Parshat Lechlucha doesn't have any connection to Tumat Lida. So that's not a question for me, because I say that's before, this is after. Ini, is it really true? Vaitmar, Yotzei Dofen, someone who is a Yotzei Dofen, someone who has a C-section. Umi sheeshlo shtei orlot, someone who has two orlot. Rashi gives two interpretations of what shtei orlot here means. Shtei orlot, Rashi says, is shnei orot zelzeh, is a double layer of uncircumcised skin, that's one possibility. But the other possibility is that he has shnei gidim, he has two members. Ravuna Rabchir Barav, Chadamar Michalivan Lavet Shabbat. One says you are Michalal Shabbat, but Amar ain't Michalalina Tashabbat. The other one says you're not Michalal Tashabbat. Anka no pligi ela lechalal Lavet Shabbat. They're only machloket, there is about whether you're Michalal Shabbat. Everybody agrees that on the eighth day, you do a milah. And it says, wait a minute, that's haba talia. The two are correlated. You're only mechalal Shabbat if you think the child needs a brit milah on the eighth day. That's why we're mechalal Shabbat, because of Yom HaShmini. If you think the demand is to have the brit milah definitively on the eighth day, then that's when you're mechalal Shabbat. If you don't know whether it's on the eighth day, in that instance, you're not Michalel at Shabbat, because that's not under the dispensation of Yom HaShmini, Mal Besar Loto. So when says, that's not a proof as to whether eighth day or not, because the actual Machloket is correlated. You can't say, oh, here, everybody agrees it's the eighth day. If everybody agreed it was the eighth day, then you, everybody would agree it was Michalel Shabbat. So that's not true. The two are correlated, and therefore, if they're arguing about Chilul Shabbat, they're also arguing about whether they need a Brit Milah on the eighth day. Ketanai, the Gemara says, this is a Machloket Tanaim, meaning the statement of Ravasi is a Machloket Tanaim. Yesh, you lead by it, Shinimola Echad. Yesh, you lead by it, Shinimola Shmona. You have a child that is born in the house that gets a Brit Milah on the first day. A child that is born in the house that gets a Milah on the eighth day. Yesh, Miknat Kesef, you purchase a baby, Shinimola Echad, sometimes that gets a Brit Milah on the first day. Yesh, Miknat Kesef, Shinimola Shmona. And you sometimes have a baby that is purchased that will have a Brit Milah on the eighth day. Now this derives from Tupsukim that are written in Breshit when the dinner of Milah is given. It says there, Yimol Yimol, Yilid Beitcha, Umiknat Kaspecha. And then it doesn't say there whether that's on the eighth day. It doesn't say anything else. So there it just says you get a Milah if you're a Yilid Bayit or Miknat Kesef. The other Pasuk says, Uven Shmonat Yamim Yimol Echem Kol Zachar L'Doritechem. You lead by it, umik not kesef. On the eighth day, you'll get a milah for anybody who is born in the household or that is purchased. We have a mstir on the psukim. One pasuk says you get a brit milah irrespective of eight days. Another one that says you only get a brit milah on the eighth day. The Gemara says, well, that tells us that there are two manifestations of you lead by it and two manifestations of miknat kesef. Lead by it and miknat kesef are referring to avadim. They're referring to avid knani or shivcha knanit. So in this case, you'll have two manifestations. One manifestation where you purchase it and there's a milah on the first day and another case where you purchase and you end up with a milah on the eighth day. Case where they are in your household and you'll give a meal on the first day, and a case where they're in your household and you'll give a meal on the eighth day. Rashi says, how do we know which is which? Said the one that is more domem. The more similar you look to a regular Jew, the more likely you are to get a Brit Milan on the eighth day. So you're going to see here the examples. We started a Brighta just now, and we're going to see the Brighta is going to lay out those scenarios. And in laying out those scenarios, they're looking for the one that is more similar to Israel that gets eight days. The one that is less similar will be one day. So here we have a purchased Eved or Shifcha. 
where you're going to end up with the child having a milah on day one and having a child on a milah on eighth day. Kate said, what's the case? Lakach shifcha mi'uberet. He buys a shifcha knanit while she is pregnant. Vachakach yalda. And then she gives birth. Zeumik nat yasef animolishmona. That is a case where you'll get a brit milah on the eighth day because the child that is born already is born even though it was not conceived during your ownership. So it was born once it reaches your household. And therefore, there will be eight days. If he purchases a shivcha knanit and the baby is already born, she has a baby with her. That purchased shivcha and the, well, the child will get a milah immediately. Immediately be a bond purchase, you will give it a milah on the first day. As soon as he comes into your house, whether the child is eight, one day old, or the child is more than eight days old, whatever the age of the child, you give them a milah immediately. Because that's less like Israel. That child was both conceived and born outside the framework of a Jewish household. In the first case, the child was conceived outside, but it was born within the framework of a Jewish household. So therefore, that case, we'll say, is at the eighth day. This case is on the first day. And there's a child who's born in your household that gets a meal on the eighth day. He purchased the Shiva Knanit, and she came impregnated while she was in his household. And then she gives birth. That's a child that will get a brit milah on the eighth day, because here the child is both conceived and born in a Jewish household. What's clear here from the Tanakhama is he's missing one case. He's missing the case of Yilid Bayit, that's the Yom Echad. He doesn't address that. There are four cases, and he only addresses three of them. Rabchama comes along and gives you an example of the four cases. Rabchama Omer Yelda Ve'achar Kachit Bila. She gave birth, he owned her. But she gave birth, and then only afterwards did she go to the mikveh. Zeu Yelid Bayit Shnimol Echad. That's a child that gets a milah on day one. Hit Bila, if she already went to the mikveh. Ve'achar Kach Yelda. Then only after that that she gave birth. Zeu Yelid Bayit Shnimol Echad. That's a Yelid Bayit that is given on the eighth day. Rechama says, or Rechama explains, that you lead by it. How do you differentiate between day one and day eight and you lead by it? It all revolves around tefillah. Tefillah is what makes the woman more like a Jew than less like a Jew. If she goes to tefillah, it's a quasi-geirut, and the shivcha knanit now becomes chayevet in mitzvot like a Jewish woman, like an isha. So therefore, tefillah is the threshold of which she says you look much more like a Jewish woman. So if it's after tefillah, you own the woman, and she goes to the mikveh, that point in time she becomes like a Jewish woman and she gives birth to a baby, that baby is given a beat meal on the eighth day. But if she gives birth to the baby before she goes to the mikveh, then that baby is less like a Jew, and that baby will get a milah on day one, not on day eight. Again, the Tanakhama never addressed that issue or never addressed the case of day one. He only addressed the case of Day eight. So now Rav Chama does that. Now the Tanakama Loshani Lei Ben Hidbila Vachakach Yelda Ben Yelda Vachakach Hidbila. Tanakama doesn't make such a distinction between whether he gives birth before the mikvah, after the mikvah. Da'afagav de'eni mot meya le'dani moldish mona. So what do you see from this? Rav Chama says, when do you get the eight day mila? Only after she goes to the mikvah. After she goes to the mikvah, she becomes chayevet in mitzvot like an isha. If that's the case, then when the shivcha kananit gives birth. She is Tamei Tumat Leida. She's now like a regular Jewish woman. If that is the case, then this Shivcha Knanit has a correlation between her becoming Tamei Tumat Leida and her baby or child having a Milah on the eighth day. Because Tfilah is that threshold. 
Before Tvilah, she doesn't become Tomei Tumat Leda, and therefore her child gets a Mila on the first day, according to Rabbi Chamo. In the case where she's after Tvilah, post Tvilah, she's like a Jewish woman, she does become Tomei Tumat Leda, and she gets a Mila on the eighth day. So Rabbi Chama says there's a correlation between Tumat Leda and the Brit on the eighth day. On the other hand, the Tanakama does not make such a distinction. He does not differentiate between whether before or after Tvilah the baby's born. The baby's born in your household. Whether it's before or after Tvila, it gets an eight-day breed. So that means that he doesn't care about this correlation between Tumat Leida and Shmona. That's what the Gemara said before. It's a machloket Tanaim as to the statement of Ravasi. Ravasi made a statement, and now we have a machloket amongst the Tanaim as to whether there is this correlation. Rabbi Chama, it seems it should be Rabbi Chama, not Rav Chama, because bringing a Brayta, and you're thinking it's a machloket Tanaim, which should be in Eretz Yisrael. It's in Eretz Yisrael, it should have the title of Rabbi. So it sounds like it should be Rabbi Chama. Rabbi Chama is of the position that there is this correlation, similar to Rabbi Asi, whereas the Tanakama says there is no correlation between Tumat Leida and Eide Mila, and he would be the one that is disagreeing. Obviously, Rabbi Asi could say, I subscribe to the position of Rabbi Chama. Now the Gemara wants to understand this better. Bishlam other Rabbi Chama, Mishkachat la li'lid bayit nimo, lechad yilid bayit nimo lechet. According to Rabbi Chama, we have cases of every situation. We have a case of... You lead by it that gets a Brit Milah on the day one. We have a lead by it that gets a Brit Milah on the eighth day. Mitna Kesev Nimolechad, Mitna Kesev Nimolechad. We have a case where Mitna Kesev gets on the first day, Mitna Kesev gets it on the eighth day. Yalda, if she gave birth, Vachakach Hidbilah, and afterwards she goes to the Mikveh, Zayili Baich Nimolechad. Hidbilah, she goes to the Mikveh, and Achakach Yalda, and then gives birth, Zayili Baich Nimolechad. That's a case where it's on the eighth day. Mitna Kesev Nimolechad, what's a case where he purchases it, and it's on the eighth day? You go, and Shlokach Shivcha Meuberet, Vihidbilah. He purchased a Shivcha Meuberet, he puts her in the mechvah, and then after After which he gives birth, that'll be a miknat kesef, that baby that has on the eight day. Miknat kesef nimolechad is a case you go into lachach ze shivcha ze ubra. It's a case where one person purchases the mother, and the other one purchases the baby. So in that case, it's nimolechad because there's no correlation between the mother and the baby anymore. You've separated the mother and the baby because you don't own the mother. So therefore, the baby will get a milah on day one. There's some question as to the girsa that we just read over here. There's some discussion as to whether that is the proper girsa. Because in the shilto, it has a girsa. What's the case of miknat kesef? That is nimolechad. It's a case where he purchased the shivcha and the vlad was already born. Just like we saw in the ratio, we on the bright and the Reisha, so the Shiltot says in the position of Rabbi Chamo that he doesn't have this Why do you involve two owners here? Even a single owner, if he purchased the Shivcha and her baby's already born, then that also gets a Milah on day one. So in the Reisha, that's what the Tanakama said. So the Seifa, you could have said the same thing, and that's what the Shiltot says is the case here, because what's the reason to make it complicated? There's no reason to have two owners here. Even with a single owner, you can create such a case. Although Rashi, later on here at the bottom, says, How come by Rabbi Chama they give a different case for Nimolechad by Miknat Kesev than the Tanakama? Vlomar, why don't you just say like the case we said earlier, like the Shilton says, why don't you just make it the same as the Tanakama's case? Because in that case, the baby was born before Tvilah. Because Rabbi Chama already told us that if you're born before Tvilah, then you automatically get day one. So it has nothing to do with the fact that it was born before he purchased her. Even if it's born after he purchased her, but before Tvila, you get a day one Mila. 
So the threshold for Rabbi Chama is not purchase, but the threshold is Vila or not, whether she went to the mikveh or not. So based on that, the Gemara or the Brayta gives a separate case for Rabbi Chama because Rabbi Chama has to come up with a situation where the Kinyan or the buying of the Ubar has impact rather than the Tvila. Because here where you separate the mother from the baby, then Tvila is no longer an issue because Tvila is only for the mother. The baby doesn't have that issue of Tvila. So Tosvot says that he doesn't think Rashi's right over here. And he agrees with the Girs of Anir Degaris, says that he thinks that should be the girs over here. That the girs should be like the shiltot, and not like what we have in our gemaras, and not like Rashi who defended the girs of our gemara that the girs should really be changed. So now gemara says, okay, I understand Rabbi Chama. Rabbi Chama gave us four cases, and therefore we understand what the four situations are. We have the two by Miknat Kesef and two by Yilid Bayit. But the Tanakam only gave us three cases. He gave us two cases by Miknat Kesef, but only gave us one case by Yilid Bayit. So what is he missing? He's missing the case by Yilid Bayit where it's Le'achad, that you get Mila Le'achad. And that's what the gemara says. El Tanakam Abishlam Akulam Mishkachad Lo. Tanakam explicitly told us all the cases. El Yilid Bayit Nimo Le'achad Eche Mishkachala. Where's his case? It's a case where he purchases the shivcha for the child. He doesn't have ownership in the shivcha. He just purchases the shivcha so that she will produce babies for him. He buys the right to her babies. So she's not pregnant now. But he says to the shivcha, I want you to come. And whether he gives them to his Ebed Ivri... And they have children, and so the children belong to the owner, and that's what he purchased. He didn't purchase the woman herself, he purchased her offspring, her production. But it's different than Miknat Kesef, not a case where he purchased her and she was pregnant. He purchased her she wasn't pregnant, but he purchased her for the ability to have the children that are born be his. So, that works well according to one who says, when you buy the output and not the actual producer, that that is separate. That's not the same. There's different kinyanim. There's a kinyan on the object and there's a kinyan on the produce. And you can separate the two. One who says, if you own output, it's as if you have ownership in the primary item. Then you're back to square one now because it's equivalent of having ownership in the shivcha. And if you have ownership in the shivcha, then you're back to Yidli Bayat that's born to a shivcha that you have ownership in. And that should be an eight day baby, not a day one baby. It's a case where you purchase a shivcha with the condition that she will not go to the mikveh, that she will not be nitgayeret. So that's a case where it doesn't look like a Jewish birth, because this shivcha knanit will always remain knanit and will never go through this quasi gerut, because she was purchased on the condition that she's not going to the mikveh and she's not going to go through this gerut. So that's a case where you have a yilid bayit where it will be on day one. See, for Rabbi Chama, it's easy. Rabbi Chama has a threshold of tefillah which could take place or transpire even after the shivcha is in your household. That means that the shivcha could become pregnant within your household and give birth in your household and still not meet that threshold. So because of that, he comes up with a case where you can have a milah on day one and a milah on day eight. On the other hand, the Tanakhama's threshold is whether you're in the household or not. So as soon as you're within the household, how can you differentiate between day one and day eight? You're in the household. There is no differentiation. That's why it's hard to understand where the Tanakhama has this case where it's on day one. Gemara's answer in the end is yes, she's in the household, but she's in such a state within the household that she never really becomes a part of the household. And that's the case where she was purchased, but will never go to the mikveh.
And because of that, she remains somewhat as an outsider in the house. And that's why her baby will have a meal on day one instead of day eight. Nevertheless, what we have here is a machloket about the correlation between Tumat Leida and day eight, where it seems to be a correlation between them. The Rabbi Chama sees the need for such a correlation. Whereas the Tanakhava doesn't see any correlation between them. And that's what we said before, that this statement of Avasi is really a machloket Tanaim. So now, Tanya. Any child that is born and lives for 30 days, then it goes out of the world of Nefel. Then it becomes a viable entity. If a baby lives beyond day 30, then it's a viable entity. That when it reaches the month old, then you redeem it. Meaning that Pijona Ben only takes place after day 30. Well, why does it only take place after day 30? Because then we know that the baby is viable. You only have to redeem the baby if it's a viable baby. So the assumption being that a pigeon event is postponed until that point, that's what we're waiting for. If a baby was viable from day one, then we would do pigeon event right away. The fact that we postpone pigeon event until that point in time tells you that it's only viable from that part forward. Now, again, the same story with an animal. In an animal, eight days is the threshold. How do we know that? Because you're not allowed to bring an animal as a kurban for the first Seven days. Only from the eighth day and on are you allowed to bring animals a korban. Why? Because we want to know that it's a viable entity before you put it on the Mizbeach. So only from eighth day and on are you allowed to do that. Now there is a difference. That only from the eighth day and on is it allowed to be used as a korban. Now there is a difference between them. For a korban or for an animal, the eighth day is already viable. Seven days is not viable. The eighth day is viable. On the other hand, by a child... It's day 31 that is viable. The first 30 days, they're not viable. When they hit day 31, that's when they're viable. Pigeon Ben is done on day 31. Even the one who argues there in Bechorot, who says that even on day 30, that is Rabbi Kivu, who argues and says it's day 30, only Misa Fake. He's not sure if it's day 30 or day 31. And therefore he says Misa Fake, we say day 30. And it has an Afkamina for Avelut. Like by Avelut, everybody agrees, Shloshim is Kalifanei Shloshim. By Avelut, we say that day 30 is clearly like before day 30 days, because by Avelut, we always go like the Mekel, and the Mekel over there, it's interesting, will be not to have a Velut, and therefore, only at day 31 would you have a Velut for a child that is born. So basically, there's a little difference. Even though Rabbi Shimon Leo says 30 and 8 days in this Braitha, really the 30 and 8 days are different. 30 is like before 30, and 8 is like after 8. Just a distinction in this statement. The other question, and there's a huge Tosafot that discusses this on Kufalam and Vavam and Aleph, is what is Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel speaking about? Is he speaking about any baby that's born? He's only speaking about a baby that's born in the eighth month. Is it in the eighth month? And therefore, he's trying to tell you, even if it's born in the eighth month, how do I know it's viable? Here's the way to test that it's viable. If it lives beyond day 30, then it's a viable entity. And it was really a seven-month baby that stayed in longer. It's not an eight-month baby. Or is he making a general statement about children? All children are born. Their viability is tested by this. There's a chazaka that the baby will be viable if it's born in the ninth month or the seventh month. But nevertheless, the threshold is 30 days. Now, the Gemara asks a question. Based on this, we have a serious issue, which is, ha lo shaha sveika habi. If you haven't reached that threshold, it's a suffix whether this baby is viable or not. Mimal hecha mehalinan le. How do we ever give a brit milah on the eighth day on Shabbat? How can we be mechalel Shabbat for a baby on the eighth day if we don't know it's going to be a viable entity? We're bisafeik until we reach day 30. This is what I said to you earlier. If he's a viable entity, then Then he deserves to get a Mila on the eighth And if he's not a viable entity, You're cutting equivalent of dead flesh. You're cutting something that is not a problem on Shabbat because you're not coming into a live entity. So Mimonov Shach, you give him a brief Mila. 
So if you give him a brit milah, then either it's a viable baby and you did the mitzvah, or if it's a non-viable entity, you're not cutting into a live being, and therefore there's no problem of chaburah, there's no problem of cutting on Shabbat. What about the bright that says, Savik ben Zayin, Savik ben Chet, Ein Michalim Etav Shabbat? This is how we began in the beginning of the sugya. We said that, what's a safek? A safek is whether it's a seventh month baby or an eighth month baby. So then, why aren't you mechalala to Shabbat for the baby? Amai, nimhalei mimonovshach. Give him a brit milah mimonovshach. This is what I quoted to you earlier, that mimonovshach should give the baby a brit. Im chayhu. If it's really a seven month baby, shapir kamahayu. Then you're doing the mitzvah, you're doing a proper milah. Vim lav. And if he's really an eight month baby and he's how are you be'evin? Mechatech bebasaru. You're not cutting a live entity. If you're not cutting a live entity, there's no violation of Shabbat. Mimonovshach, you're safe. If you're violating the Shabbat, that means the baby's viable, and that means that you should be doing the Mila. If you're not in violation of Shabbat, the baby didn't need a Mila, and there's no problem here, because we're not in violation of Shabbat. So, Amar, Mar, Bred Ravina, Ana, Rav Nechumi, Bar Zechariah, Targamina, we explain this Brayta, Mimhal hachinami mehalinale, you're right. You do do a Mila, with a baby that's Safek Zayin, Safek Chet, you give them a Mila, Mimonoshoch. So then, what was that Brayta speaking about in the case of Shabbat, of Safek Zayin, Safek Chet, you don't do it? It's for Machshire Mila, according to Rabbi Lezer, according to Rabbi Lezer, Machshire Mila are Dochim at the Shabbat. So when is that true? That's only true when it's a Ben Zayin, when you're Vada have a Mitzvah. You can only do the Machshire Mila. What are you going to do? You're going to cook up coals, and you're going to make a metallic knife on Shabbat, you can only do that if it's really a mitzvah. If it's not a mitzvah, then you're in trouble. You make a knife, and then you cut into basar, you cut into an evan, that's not allowed on Shabbat. So as far as the Chachamim are concerned, and even according to Rabbi Lez, as far as the Mila is concerned, the action that you're taking is only a sewer if the entity is viable. If the entity is viable, then it's also a Mila. So therefore you cut. If it's a viable entity, you did a Mila, and you were violating Shabbat, but that's allowed. If you cut, and the baby's not viable, then you didn't do anything wrong on Shabbat, and you also didn't do a Mila, so it's no problem. For Rabbi Lezer, you have a much bigger issue. He says you can make a knife, you can do other things that are in violation of Shabbat. There, you really need to know whether it's a mitzvah or not. And therefore, according to Rabbi Lezer, if you have a safek zayin safechet, we're not going to let you do makshiri milah and violate Shabbat for makshiri milah. Because if you violate it and we find out the baby's not viable, then you were in violation of Shabbat, not b'maka mitzvah. So for Rabbi Eliezer, it's a problem in terms of Machshire Mila. In terms of Mila itself, it is Docha to Shabbat. And that's what I told you before, the conclusion today, that we give every baby a Mila that's on the eighth day. We give them Mila on Shabbat, whether it's seven, eight, nine, we don't know. If the baby is viable and is healthy enough to have a Mila on that day, we will give them a Mila on that day. Usually if it's born in the seventh month, it's premature and it's not healthy enough to have a Mila. But we will give it Miman of Shach because... Either it's a Bible entity and the Mila is Docha Shabbat. If it's not a Bible entity, according to Chazal, then it doesn't need a Mila. And cutting into Basar is not kind of called cutting on Shabbat and it won't be in violation of Shabbat. Okay, we'll stop over here.